the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. You're listening to the Wavecast, episode number two, recorded on Friday, March 30th, 2012. Women, music, and AV. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to the Wavecast, Women in AV. My name is Jennifer Willard, and I'll be your moderator today. We're honored we have the pleasure of welcoming Julia Cooper, who is a senior programmer with AVI SPL, and Elizabeth Schwartz, a design engineer with Claire Brothers Audio Systems. And today, we're going to be talking about female design engineers and programmers. So welcome, ladies. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Great. One of the things that we do for each of our shows is that we love to um, say thank you for joining us and participating. And we put a gift and we ask that you don't open them until we actually get on air. So we're at that place. Go ahead and open up what you were sent. Okay. I've got mine right here. It's a little bit difficult to open. And right here, I have a beautiful pen. Thank you very much. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, ladies, so what we do every uh, month is have a hand glass blown pin made specially for the topic that we're going to talk about. And so um, today we are, since we're talking about design engineering and programming, for our listeners out there, the pin of the month is actually shaped in a gear and it's supposed to resemble um, mechanical and anything having to do with you know, you can think of a clock or something along that lines. And, you know, that's really one of the things that we're really excited to talk to you ladies about, um, especially is your involvement in the technical side of our industry and sort of what it is that you do and everything that was really pretty rare in our industry in terms of females um, participating. So with that, Liz, uh, let's start with you. And, And can you tell us about your background and what you do? Well, I grew up overseas and my parents were in an AV-related industry, and so I feel like I've been involved with AV somewhat my entire life. And then my first job out of college, I worked for an AV integrator, and I just loved my job. I, I just loved everything about it. So I've continued staying with that. Um, a lot of my time in high school and college, I was involved with music and acoustics, And I even took some video classes, and all of that sort of led me to where I am today. Oh, that's great. How about you, Julia? Well, it sounds like we have a similar background. Um, In college, I studied electrical engineering, and I really like the digital side, like digital signal processing, but I've always been a musician, and uh, I wanted to do something related to music, so I started exploring um, Maybe I'd work in a recording facility, and uh, right out of college, I got a job with uh, Nimbus Records, uh, making CD, the first CD plant in, in the United States. And then I went to Maryland Sound and started putting sound into theme parks. And from there, I went to an AV company, so I started doing video as well as audio. 
And then I started programming while I was there, um, and I really liked the programming part of it. Um, and so I started my own company just doing freelance uh, programming, which I did for nine years. And then I came to work for the ISPL as an engineer and programmer. Oh, that's fantastic. So one of the things that um, is really you know special about both of you is your engineering backgrounds. And so you know, you just mentioned Julia about how you really liked the um, the digital sign of, side of it. So what is it about that technical engineering side of our AV industry that you both like, Julia? Well, um, I always enjoyed math a lot, and I think it's it's being able to solve puzzles or solve problems. And digital is just very logical to me. So it was very interesting. You can put things together and just have a, have a solution. Um, and at that time, um, recording was just starting to go digital. So it, it just uh, went hand in hand where you could suddenly do these beautiful um, recordings without background hiss and whatnot by doing it dig digitally. How about you, Liz? Well, sort of going back to what Julia said about solving problems and coming up with solutions, I think that's a big part of why I like engineering and my job in the AV field. Um, I like being able to work with a lot of different things. Every day is a different day. Sometimes it's a small project, sometimes it's a large project. I could be drafting or programming or designing a system. Uh, sometimes I might be working with other engineers in the field, such as a structural engineer to come up with mounting details and things like that. Uh, but in the end, the fun part is when everything is done, all the problems are solved, everything's working right, and you get to play with the system. Yeah, that's great. And it's it's interesting. Um, I guess my question would be, you both uh, mentioned a lot about having a musical background and an interest in music. So do you think that that plays into sort of why you pursued the career that you did versus maybe necessarily saying, I want to be an AV engineer? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I always felt like, oh, okay, so I don't have the talent to be a professional musician, but this way I can still be involved with music. Yeah, I agree. Uh, music definitely has something to do with it. I grew up playing piano and over time I played various other instruments, but one of my band teachers in high school, he always used to talk about how playing music and being involved with musical activities would raise your math SAT scores. And I, I actually read that, too. So it's definitely a good thing to lead towards a technical career. Oh, that's really yeah, good. It's a very, there's a very high correlation. Like where I work, almost everybody has a musical background. I think that's kind of what draws them to, to this industry. Um, and also, it was very interesting to me when I was in college, I took a low-level music composition class, and one-third of the students were electrical engineering majors. Well, that's that's really great, and it's and it's funny because I I actually share a bit of the same experience and with myself as well as what you just mentioned in the industry and how many folks in our industry, you know, female or male, have somewhat at some point in time either been in a band or you know have pursued that as one of their sort of driving forces of what 
helps them to end up in the, the industry. And I come from myself, a broadcasting background. So it wasn't something, you know, where I thought that I would pursue the technical side. But um, so I just enjoyed actually, you know, recording and making new shows. So that's really interesting. So one of the things that we really were hoping to talk to you about is what do you think your group of women in our industry is a very elite group and also a very um, small group. Um, Julia, you're CTS certified and Elizabeth, you just um, got your CTSD certification. Uh, you're you know, Julia, you're a Crestron certified programmer, and Liz, you um, have taken, you know, several classes in uh, Crestron certification, and you both do that as part of your jobs. Um, do you find that you're in a group of people, generally the only female that's um, doing the engineering piece of that? Do you find that there are a lot of female engineers? And, you know, why do you think that is? I have always been the only female in every class I've ever taken. <laughs> One time I was being driven to a Crestron class from the airport, and I guess they always use the same taxi service, and the guy says, you're the first female I have ever driven to a Crestron class. We hired another female engineer a couple years ago, so it's great. Now there's two of us. <laughs> Why do I think it is? I think that it is just attractive to men from early on, maybe to go into the more technical side of music. Um, a lot of young boys or teenage boys are in bands, and so they kind of get to know the equipment a little bit. Oh, I know an amplifier and whatnot, and it kind of goes from there. So, do you, so you do find that it's not necessarily a myth. There is um, a small percentage of women that's designers and, and engineers. Oh, extremely low percentage. In fact, I'd like to meet Liz because I would say it seems like there's so few of us. It'd be nice to meet someone who else is in this. Well, we're both in the same area, so we could maybe actually meet sometime. But I would say from my experience, I haven't necessarily always been the only woman, but a lot of times there might just be two of us. But it seems like even if there is just one other woman, it makes a big difference because you tend to rely on each other more than you would with other men that you may come in contact with. I'm not sure why it is. I think it it's sort of a large issue just in society as a whole as to why more women aren't in the STEM fields, but it it's definitely good that I have sometimes come across other women and we are able to rely on each other sometimes. I think as women in our industry in general, that's a shared sentiment. And I'm sure, especially for even further for the female engineers of our industry, you mentioned STEM and, you know, we all know that it is historically low for the number of females who pursue it. Um, there are certainly programs that have come up recently and um, people are trying to, you know, encourage more young women to pursue that field. Do you think, ladies, that it's something that we do need to start 
early on with girls? Or where do you see perhaps the best opportunity that we have to reach out to women to try to, you know, encourage them or, you know, gain their interest in the engineering side? Well, I know that my children have these career days at their schools. And I try to participate in that just to let kids see that there are women in these fields. And so the more exposure they have, the more they'll think it's just normal and uh, not just think that it's the dads who are, who are in these fields. Liz, I see that you are a member of the Society of Women Engineers. Can you talk a little bit maybe about some of the things that, that they do in, you know, in terms of some of the experiences that you've had there? Well, I think SWE, which is the Society of Women Engineers, they do tend to try to reach out to girls at very many different ages. They start young and they try to do different programs with Girl Scouts and with elementary age girls. And then they continue to work with different engineering groups that have robotics programs or future city competitions and things like that to encourage girls to participate in things like that. Uh, I was a member of SWE when I lived in Oklahoma, and we actually didn't have a local section there. So part of what I was doing in Oklahoma was working with some other women in the area to start an Oklahoma SWE section because it is important for women to be able to get together and discuss some of the unique problems that we may face and also to try to be role models for younger girls who may be interested in the STEM fields. So Liz, you touched on a a point. What are some of the challenges that you may have experienced or you can see that um, other women who want to, you know, follow your path might experience? Well, starting in college is probably where there were some of the more difficult challenges. Uh, Generally, most colleges, dorms are split by gender. And so people tend to study with other people in their dorms. And if you're the only female engineer in your dorm, then it might be hard to find other engineers to study with. So something like that is a challenge. But in general, I I found that people are pretty receptive to me being a female engineer. Um, There's things like getting an email that says, dear gentlemen, and it's really to me, but I'm not a gentleman. And things like that, sometimes the person who wrote it didn't even realize what they were doing. But in some way, it is excluding women and things like that. I try to gently correct them and say, hey, I'm here too. Don't forget about the women, and we have good ideas to give to. What about you, Julia? Another thing that, um, that I do to help promote a little bit is my alma mater, Bucknell, they are great at trying to get women to go into engineering, and they have a whole program where the Society of Women Engineers um, works with the alumni, and they uh, ask us to volunteer, and I volunteer every year where I call prospective students. That's once students who have shown an interest in going to Bucknell. They send me their, their information, and then I call them, and I just say, hey, do you have any questions? about being an engineer, about being a female engineer. I, I have nothing to do with their admission process, but it's just a 
um, a way to support them, and they think that maybe there, it's a little bit more likely that more women will go into the program if they have a support. And boy, I would have loved that if they had that when I was uh, in school. Right. That's excellent. Do have you either of you experienced, or you know, would you think that perhaps a a tutoring program um, for women would be something that might also encourage them and be of benefit? It probably would be some kind of benefit, but where there are so few women, it's sometimes hard for a few women to be able to do everything that might need to be done. So I, I think it's sort of thing that needs to happen where we just need to encourage more women to be involved in STEM fields. And as more women get involved, there will be more opportunity for them to share and to be role models for younger women who want to enter the field as well. Do you have anything to add to that, Julia? Yeah, I, I think that perhaps showing that there are parts of engineering that are um, attractive to girls. For example, it, it can be very creative. And that's part of why I like programming is because I like to be able to lay out touch panels in, in a creative way, as well as the problem solving part of just being able to program and make things work. But if they, if they just have a perception that it's a very dry field, then maybe they won't be interested in going into it. So I think we need to kind of just give them more information about that there are there's cool engineering jobs out there. Oh, that's great. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. You're listening to the Wave podcast brought to you by Rave Pubs, AV Nation. To hear this and all the other podcasts that are available, go to www.ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Wonderful, ladies. So that's just such interesting information. And, you know, it's it's really wonderful to hear um, your thoughts and also sort of your advice. I really like what you said, Julia, in regards to the engineering and that sort of being creative. Wanting to shift gears a little bit here and talk about our industry and, you know, just from a very professional perspective. We've seen over the past decade this notion of the AVIT convergence. It's no longer something where we're planning for it. We This has been well underway for a long time. And around the designing and programming, one of the articles that I had shared was in regards to my experience, and that was um, with the Cisco Executive Briefing Center and a company called Pacific Interactive. They've been in the industry for 20 years taking an ip cloud-based perspective from how to do control systems programming. So knowing that your experience with Crestron and AMX and the other control system programmers, you know, can you share with us what your experience is and, and what you're seeing out there in the field today in regards to how the industry is evolving and where you see AV headed? Julia, you want to go ahead? Well, sure. It's been a very challenging change. As far as just controlling equipment via IP, that, that's fairly straightforward. But with entire control systems, um, such as the Crestron DM, now being over network, 
there's just been enormous challenges. It's very young convergence. So these new products are coming out every day and often we are integrating them in ways that maybe haven't been integrated before. And so we'll find a problem or a challenge and uh, have to figure out why it's not working. Is it one piece in the, in the puzzle? Is it that this particular network put this um, security scan on their network and that's the problem? Uh, and when you're integrating with a customer's network, y- you don't have full control because you know they have their own IT people and things that they're doing with their network and it can bring up um, unanticipated consequences. So it's, it is very challenging. There's a long way to go. It's, it's developing quickly, and there are advantages to it. But there's also a lot to learn, and there's a whole new skill set that needs to be learned. Liz? I think I, I would go along with everything that Julia said. Uh, I've been in the AV industry only about eight years, and it seems like even in that time, things have really changed a lot to being more network-centric. One of the big problems I see is just the communication between the IT world and the AV world, because right now things are still pretty separate, and over time I think it's getting more and more tied together, but there seems to be a mutual distrust for each other, where we both think that each other's equipment is somehow going to destroy each other and nothing will work right. And also, a lot of times we don't really speak the same language. So when we have a problem, we don't really know how to speak to the IT side to tell them what our problem is and for them to realize that something about their network settings is messing something up that we're trying to do. I had one project where a bunch of our equipment wasn't working right and we were pretty sure it was a network issue but we really didn't know enough about networking in order to say what the problem was and the IT person we were working with didn't think there were any problems with the network and thought it was set up great and it it took a long time but eventually we worked it out and everything started working right but it was just a long process and we were both having to learn a lot from each other. But is it a fair statement to say that just about every uh, project that both of you are on now has a much stronger and and needs to work more closely with the IT organizations that are your customers? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. In the beginning, I I was kind of intimidated because I felt like I was talking to people and I didn't know the lingo. And being a technical person, you know, we don't like looking like we don't know what we're talking about, right? And so I, you know, I didn't quite understand what all, what, um, you know, static versus HDCP, blah, 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 all these things were. But you you learn them as you go. You know, you kind of have to. So the longer you do it, you get more comfortable with it. Yeah, it seems like every AV device these days has a network port on it. So even if we don't necessarily put it on the network, it could be networked somehow, and there could be something that we need to set up with the IT side of it. Also, to go with what Julia was saying, there's so many times that what we're doing, it's the first time that it has been done. Nobody has actually tried a certain thing in the real world. 
And so when we go to try to do it, it doesn't always work the way it theoretically should. And then we have to work out the bugs with all the different people involved. So you both talked a lot about language barriers and just in the design and and construction, I see this a lot depending upon what the different disciplines are. For an architect, the word architecture means something incredibly different when an IT person talks about network architecture. Um, So hitting on the language barrier that you both mentioned, what are your recommendations for people that are out there as designers and programmers in terms of helping them to really sort of understand? I mean, this might be a little bit as a female maybe versus a male thing, as much as I understand, Julia, you're saying that technical people don't want to not know what they're doing. Do you think that that as a woman that, you know, maybe um, you might be able to facilitate more embracing other, other people in terms of some of their challenges, whereas that might be a little bit more of a struggle for men? Well, I have worked with a lot of people who the last thing that they will do is call tech support. And I don't know if that's experience or gender-based, but after a while you learn you're going to waste a lot of time if you keep trying to figure it out yourself and not go to tech support. Again, it's partly the personality thing of of technical people and engineers. You know, we want to figure out things for ourselves, but maybe women can be a little bit more, you know, put our egos aside for a second and say, hey, and I, and I often will do this, especially in the beginning when I started interfacing with IT, I'd say, you know, I'm an AV person, not an IT person. Um, can, can you help, excuse me if I'm not, you know, using the terminology right, but uh, I, I, need a, I need this to be static, not dynamic, something like that. So I kind of would always just let them know where I was coming from. But yeah, you really do need to be open to learning. And you have to be open to show that you don't know everything and you're willing to pick up the phone and call tech support. Yeah, it's an important thing to be able to call tech support. And also with everything in AV, both networking and just any other new products that come out, we always have to keep learning. And uh, networking and some of the IT jargon that we hear, it's just something we have to learn. And there are people out there that we can use as resources. Right. So in terms of the future of our industry, I think that, you know, it's pretty clear that we're not going back. You know, as AV, we've sort of been historically on our own networks, um, going a little bit to the the distrust that there might be on sort of both sides of the table, we're now having to not only just play in the sandbox, but we're having more of the same sandbox. So what do you what do you think in regards to how companies, you know, such as Crestron and AMX, what is it that they need to focus on in the future so that so that it helps build trust between the IT and Navy? They need to have products that have been thoroughly tested out in the field under different circumstances. The ideal way to do a a Crestron or an AMX is to have 
a separate VLAN. You know, have your own AV network, and then that just talks across to another VLAN that is the corporate network. And and that's something that, of course, has to be set up very early on. So it's important that, like in the even in the the sales phase, that that kind of thing starts getting discussed because it might need more infrastructure. But they do somewhat need to be kept separate and then have just like a bridge across. How do you feel about that, Liz? Uh, I'm not sure what exactly. <clears throat> I'm not sure what to tell. AMX and Crestron, exactly. It seems like over time, things are just naturally getting better because IT people are learning more about AV and AV people are learning more about IT. And so now the communication barriers are less than they were maybe five or 10 years ago. I think also a lot of AV vendors are learning more about how to tailor things to the IT world. I've seen a lot more networking guides and give this to the network administrator and it's some sort of information guide of things they might need to know. And those kind of things do help. Right. And in regards to sort of some of these IP centric control systems and, you know, how that's also, it's not just the, I'm sure, you know, for the applications that you use, it's also broadening a lot, at least in, in my experience, I'm seeing a lot more in terms of the digital signage and that's sort of making its its way into a much larger piece of our industry versus maybe it's been historically. So, you know, companies that are such as PI that are IP centric are having a much easier time fitting into the IT world. But do you find in terms of digital signage that that's more of what you ladies are doing in terms of your work jobs? Or is it more around the lines of the historical kind of boardroom, you know, maybe command and control or training and education? We do um, a lot of large ballparks so they do have um, a lot of digital signage and a couple years ago we did Yankee Stadium and there was huge you know Cisco digital signage and it was again it was like the first time this particular kind of installation had been done with this product and so they had tremendous growing pains and learning curve and you know Cisco was out there all the time to get it right, and it took a long time to, till it finally got right. And that's again what part of the thing that I was saying before is that since it's so new and it's very competitive, a lot of uh, manufacturers they want to get their stuff out, you know, very quickly. And so then you have a an issue with with uh, being a new um, environment and maybe not having been tested in that environment. So integrating into into that. IP digital imaging was it, it was it was a big challenge. It was it was it was huge, and um, to get you know support from a company as big as Cisco, there I don't think they're they were used to dealing with you know an AV company, but uh, we eventually got it all worked out. I haven't necessarily seen that much digital signage work. It's more been another large project that's going on, a large church or something, and digital signage is just part of the larger system. Along with everything else, it gets networked and put on our AV network or the company's network or whatever it may be. Great. You're listening to the WAVE podcast. 
brought to you by Rave Pubs AV Nation. To hear this and all the other podcasts that are available, go to www.ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Wonderful. Let's go back to, to being a female design engineer in uh, the AV industry and knowing that just as knowing that as women, our numbers are small in general, what are some of the, the great experiences and opportunities that you see around other women networking with other women, be it from a technical background or, you know, just in general, what's the encouragement and advice that you would have for women who want to pursue AV as a career? I think if someone is interested in a technical role of some kind, they just need to go for it. Uh, There may be different challenges and it may be tough sometimes, but if it's something somebody wants to do, they should just go for it. And these days there are lots of women that they can find with social media and maybe even in their area that they can talk to. I think it's great that we now have this women in AV group that anybody can go in on LinkedIn or somewhere else and find a bunch of other women that are in the AV industry. And some of us are in technical roles. These days, if you find a mentor, they don't have to be nearby. They can be somewhere around the world and you can be friends on Facebook or you can follow each other on Twitter or you can Skype as often as you like and you can have a mentor that way. It's it's really great that Women in AV is starting a mentorship program uh, because that'll bring more women into the AV industry. Thank you. And that's certainly something where we'll be looking to both of you in terms of how we can help um, really encourage uh, women in that technical, pursuing that technical field. What about you, Julia? Oh, I, I love what Liz said. Um, and I, I agree when just go ahead and be yourself and, and, and flaunt that you have technical ability. Um, just, you know, you're not you don't have to be really different than a, than a man doing it. You, you have, if, especially some of these young women I'm seeing now, they've, they've done amazing things in high school and, the, and then in college. So just, you know, sh- show off your resume, try to get some internships and, and you'll have, you'll get the respect that, that men will get. I looked a little bit at the, at what you had sent us and there was an article that had a couple really interesting points and just that research profile that people judge women to be less competent than men in male jobs unless they're clearly successful in their work and when a woman is in clearly competent in masculine jobs she's considered to be less likable (laughs) and just it just made me think about how maybe we feel like we need to work a little harder to be considered the same competency. Yeah, I I mean, I see that too. It seems like a lot of the women I know in the AV industry are overachievers because in order to be seen as equal, you have to do a lot more. So would you encourage women to continue to do that? Or what, what is your, you know, what do you think about how that we might be able to change that perception? Well, when more women get into our career, then it won't be considered necessarily a masculine job anymore. Yeah, it's hard to say that you should slack off because you don't want to be seen as an overachiever. But I think everyone should just be themselves and work as hard as you want to or that you can. 
and stand up for yourself and promote yourself. If you have an achievement, make sure that people know you have that achievement and don't accept your, if you've done a good job at something, you should admit that it was you and not give credit to other people because it seems like a lot of times women tend to share the credit when it maybe was more just because of them that something was successful. (laughs) That's great advice. Any parting words, ladies, in terms of what you would like to share with um, women about being a design programmer or engineer? I think it's a really great career and it's very rewarding. I know I've seen a lot of articles and stories about how some of the careers in engineering and other science-related fields, the people in those jobs are some of the happiest people. And it's also a lot of the... STEM career areas, they found that it's areas where women are more on an equal playing field when it comes to salary with men. So there's a lot of advantages for women to go into science fields and other technology fields, and it's a great thing to pursue in AV. I'd like to say that I think the hardest part was when I was very young and right out of college, and especially if you graduate with an engineering degree and you're put in a position that you might have authority over people who've been working at it longer, but don't have the degree you have. So I was this petite female right out of college and some older, especially men didn't really like, you know, taking (laughs) orders from me. But now that I'm older, I have so much more self-confidence because I have the experience behind me. So I'd say just stick with it. If, you're, if you have doubts in the beginning, stick with it, and the more confidence you get and the more respect you'll get. Wonderful. Well, ladies, thank you so very much for taking your time. Again, we are just so honored, and you are an inspiration to all of us in the industry in regards to what you're doing. And every day that you do your job, you are really blazing the the trail for women behind you that want to pursue it. We're really incredibly grateful to you and we just want to support you however we can. Julia, if um, somebody wants to know more about your company, how can they get in touch with you? Um, Our URL is avispl.com. That's Apple, Victor Indigo, Sam Paul Larry.com. Great. How about you, Elizabeth? You can find Claire Brothers on the web at www.clairsystems.com. That's clairsystems.com. Well, ladies, again, just want to take a special moment to thank you and how proud and inspired we are by both of you to really grow ourselves as women and in the technical side of our field. It's really the first time that I think female engineers have really had an opportunity to discuss it. I'm really excited to share it with everybody, and thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed talking to you both. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Wavecast, Women in AV. I'm your moderator, Jennifer Willard, and we appreciate you tuning in. If you want to hear this podcast and all the other wonderful podcasts from Rave Pubs AV Nation, you can find them at www.ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll be back with you next month. (music) 